the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. I once heard a story about a church that dismissed its pastor because he kept telling the congregation that they were going to hell. But then interestingly enough, they called a new pastor who also told the people that they were going to hell too. And yet the church didn't seem to have a problem with this new pastor doing that. And when questioned about the congregation's different reaction to the two pastors, one church member replied, when the first pastor told us we were going to hell, he sounded like he was glad about it. But when the new pastor says it, he sounds like it breaks his heart. And that needs to be our attitudes. It ought to break our heart that hell is real and people are really going there. We never want to treat it, as I said, and I emphasize this, in a detached way. If true believers could really grasp the horror of an eternal hell, our motivation to reach the unsaved would drive us to share the gospel with everyone. The good news is that Jesus has already purchased the redemption from hell for all lost mankind. Welcome to Verse by Verse. In today's class, Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel begins a three-part study on the parable of the fishing net. We are in Matthew chapter 13, verse 47. Jesus preached his first sermon in his hometown of Nazareth, and he was rejected and thrown out of the synagogue. We'll see how hardened unbelief turned the religious leaders against him. Here is Pastor Steve with our study on the reality of hell. Once again, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, as we continue our study of the parables, and we have actually come to the last of the seven parables, and I want to read it to you, and then Christ's concluding words after the parables were given. Matthew 13, starting at verse 47. Again, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it up on the beach and they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yes. Jesus said to them, therefore, every scribe that has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Now, as we said, with these words, we have come to the last of the seven parables that Jesus gave in Matthew 13. And like all of the previous parables, this one is also designed to, to explain something of Christ's kingdom right now. However, I want you to notice that unlike the other parables, 
which emphasize the nature of Christ's kingdom as it exists today, this one is a little bit different. It's a little different than the others because this one takes us to a time in the future at the end of the present form of the kingdom, when unbelievers who have rejected the message of the king and his kingdom will be judged. That is precisely what Jesus was referring to when he said in verses 49 and 50, so it will be, notice, at the end of the age, the angels will come forth, take out the wicked from among the righteous, and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So he's not talking about the kingdom as it exists now in our present state. He's talking about what will happen as we get to the close of the kingdom and how that era ends and a new one begins. Now, quite frankly, this statement by Jesus has puzzled many people, and not because it's difficult to understand. Actually, this is not a difficult parable to understand. But his comments about judgment at the end of the age have puzzled many because it is so similar to what he said in an earlier parable, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Notice, if you go back to chapter 13, verses 40, 42, how similar the wording is and the concepts in, in this parable, the parable of the tares, and the parable now of the dragnet that we're looking at. Notice, for example, verse 40, just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they'll gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness, and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you can see from this, although the pictures of in these two parables are different, with one parable using imagery from the world of agriculture, wheat and tares, the other using imagery from the realm of fishing, both of them actually describe the same scene. Notice that. They describe the the same scene. In fact, these parables so closely resemble each other that they actually repeat a number of the same end time truths. For example, they both speak about the separation of the wicked from the righteous at the end of the age. They both say that it is specifically the work of angels in separating the righteous and the wicked. And they actually use some of the same phrases in communicating these truths. They both speak of the end of the age, exact same phrase. They speak of throw them into the furnace of fire, same phrase. And in that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, same phrase. So in light of the close resemblance between the parable of the wheat and tares and the present parable about the fishing net, the issue that many Bible interpreters have been baffled over is why Jesus would give two parables in the same teaching context that are essentially saying the same thing. Why do that? James Boyce, in his book on the parables, speaks for many in summing up the dilemma faced by those who want to accurately understand and interpret the unique message of this parable. Boyce writes this, what does the seventh parable teach that has not already been taught by the second? That is why, in view of the earlier parable, is this one included? He writes, it's true that the others also involve repetition, but each nevertheless adds something new. The first two speak of sowing, but the first focuses on the kind of soil into which the seed falls, whereas the second focuses on the devil's work in sowing harmful seed. Similarly, he writes, the devil is described as active in parables one and two, But in each case, he's doing something different. 
Is there anything new in this last parable? Is there anything we would lose if it were not included? So what Boyce is essentially asking is, why did Jesus give two parables that are so similar? Does this last one tell us something and emphasize something and have a unique message that was not given in an earlier one? And the answer is yes. Yes, the two parables may be alike in some respects. In fact, they are. But their emphasis and their point is completely different. See, in the parable of the wheat and the tares, the Lord was emphasizing that during this present age, this church age, that Satan will have counterfeit Christians who coexist with genuine Christians. Uh, Some of these people will look and sound and be so similar to believers that they'll be impossible for believers to detect. But it's not our responsibility, that parable teaches, to detect them. The Lord will reveal who they are when? At the end of the age, when the angels will separate them from true Christians, and then unbelievers will be judged. Now, the primary point of the parable of the wheat and the tares is to inform us of Satan's strategy in planting unbelievers in the church so that we're not naive about this. We're not surprised by this. Also, so that we don't go on a witch hunt in trying to figure out who's real and who's not. And in the process, do great harm to genuine Christians. Now, that's the message of the, of the, the parable of the wheat and tares. Let the tares coexist with the wheat for now. God will, at the end of the age, sort them out, separate them. But the main point of this last parable is not that at all. It's not that at all. The parable of the fishnet, and that's what a dragnet is, it's a fishnet, isn't the same. In this final parable, the Lord's emphasis isn't on the coexistence of unbelievers with believers, but strictly on the judgment of believers. The purpose of the parable of the fishnet is to inform us of the horrible fate that awaits unbelievers at the end of the age. In other words, the judgment of unbelievers is just one point in the parable of the wheat and the tares. But in the parable of the fishnet, judgment is the only point. It is the point. That's what the parable is about. Notice in this last parable, there's nothing here about the work of the devil and planting unbelievers. Devil's not mentioned here. Unbelievers aren't mentioned here except in terms of judgment. Nor is there any mention about the spiritual hardness of an unbeliever's heart. Nor do we read about how some unbelievers resemble believers. There's nothing here. The only thing that's here is that Christ is stressing in this parable that there's coming a day at the end of this age when the wicked will be separated from the righteous and they will be then thrown into the eternal furnace of suffering. In other words, Jesus gave this parable to help us understand that one distinguishing mark of his kingdom is that it will include divine judgment on unbelievers. That's the point. He simply tells us that at the end of this age, unbelievers, meaning all those who did not value his kingdom like a hidden treasure or a pearl of great price, will receive divine judgment. Folks, that's the point. Now, the message of eternal judgment is obviously an important lesson for us to learn, to understand, and to take to heart. We don't want to read about hell with a detached feeling, like, well, it's just another doctrine. It isn't. The doctrine of eternal judgment, let's face it, it's an unpleasant doctrine. It's one that we find hard emotionally to receive because of the horrors associated with the judgment of hell. And there are many people who find 
it's so unpleasant that they just deny its reality. They, they simply ignore it. They don't want to talk about hell say it doesn't exist. In his book, an excellent book, I might add, One Minute After You Die, Pastor Erwin Lutzer writes this about the distastefulness of hell. He writes, admittedly, hell is an unpleasant topic. Unbelievers disbelieve in it. Most Christians ignore it. Even the staunchly biblical diehards are often silent out of embarrassment. Hell, more than any doctrine in the Bible, seems to be out of step with our times. And he's right. But even though it may be an unpleasant doctrine, difficult to emotionally digest, and certainly out of step with our times, we need to realize it is a fundamental biblical doctrine, one that, that is so important that Jesus often spoke about it. He who had the most tender of hearts spoke with severity and bluntness and boldness about the horrors of hell. Why? Because he indeed did love those who were on their way there and was warning them about hell. In fact, Jesus spoke more about hell than any other person in the Bible. I don't know if you have ever thought about that, but nobody in the Bible spoke more about hell than Christ. And he spoke more about hell than he did about many other subjects. And one of the places that he taught about hell is this little parable in Matthew 13. Now, it would appear, in case you're wondering, well, why would he teach about that now? Why would he conclude these parables with this. Well, it would appear that the reason Jesus chose to finish his presentation of parables with this particular one that focused on judgment was simply to impress upon the minds of his apostles, his disciples, and us by way of application, the importance of proclaiming the gospel during this age. See, he's essentially using this parable to teach every believer the importance of calling men and women to repentance. That is to say, he's telling us that in light of the fact that when this age comes to a close, there are going to be many people who will be judged with the tormenting horrors of hell. Therefore, it is our responsibility to make sure we proclaim the gospel, the message of the king, because that is the only message that delivers and saves anyone from going to hell. That's why he said this. So it's important that we approach this parable about judgment and hell with the right heart attitude. As I said before, you never want to just hear about hell and and think, well, this is a doctrine I believe in, and that's all. We need to have hearts that really ache over the lost, because that's how God's heart is towards the lost. The Lord's attitude towards the judgment of the unsaved is summed up in Ezekiel 18.23, when it says, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God doesn't delight in anybody going to hell. Jesus expressed the divine heart of compassion for the lost when he wept over Jerusalem because they had rejected him and he knew judgment was coming, Luke chapter 19. And in the passage we read before, the apostle Paul was so torn in his heart over the lostness of Israel that he said in Romans 9 that he had great sorrow and unceasing grief in his heart and wished that he could be accursed and separated from Christ forever. For the sake of his brethren and his kinsmen according to the flesh. That is to say that Paul was saying that if it were possible, he would go to hell forever and ever if that would mean Israel's salvation. And that's such an astounding statement. That's why Paul said in this context, I lie not. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. Because he, he knew that people would read that and say, yeah, Paul, you're just saying that because you know it's not possible. But his response is, I know it's not possible, but nonetheless, I really mean that. I'm not lying. It is a truthful statement. 
And that's the same heart of love for the lost that ought to be our attitude today as we study the doctrine of eternal punishment. You never want to be glib about this. You never want to just hear it and have it not affect you. I I once heard a story about a church that dismissed its pastor because he kept telling the congregation that they were going to hell. But then interestingly enough, they called a new pastor who also told the the people that, that they were going to hell too. And yet the church didn't seem to have a problem with this new pastor doing that. And when questioned about the congregation's different reaction to the two pastors, one church member replied, when the first pastor told us we were going to hell, he sounded like he was glad about it. But when the new pastor says it, he sounds like it breaks his heart. And that needs to be our attitudes. It ought to break our heart that hell is real and people are really going there. We never want to treat it, as I said, and I emphasize this in a detached way. Hell is not only a reminder of the terrible future awaiting unbelievers, but it is a sobering reminder of the seriousness of sin. Sin is not something that is to be trifled with. It also is a serious reminder of the holiness and justice and righteousness of God that that compels him to punish sin. Now, here's the way this parable unfolds. It's not difficult to follow Christ's logic. It's not difficult to understand this parable, but here's how it's laid out. Here's the big picture. First, Jesus gives an earthly story from the world of fishing that illustrates an important truth about the kingdom of heaven. It's just an earthly story makes an illustrative point. But then he gives the deeper spiritual meaning behind the story that explains how it specifically illustrates the nature of his kingdom. And then finally, after finishing this parable, he's through with all the parables, Jesus asks his disciples a question. Do you understand these parables? They say yes. It's very questionable whether they really understood, but they thought they did. And then the Lord gives a concluding comment about the responsibility that his disciples had now that they said they understood these various kingdom truths communicated through all of the parables. So let's begin first as we look at the story of the fishnet. What is this story? Verses 47 and 48. A simple story. I'll explain the background so you'll understand exactly what's going on. And those of you who have been to Israel can visualize some things in your mind as you have seen the Sea of Galilee. Again, he said the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it up on the beach and they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. In this parable, Jesus compared the kingdom of heaven to something that his disciples, all of his disciples would be very familiar with, a fishnet, a fishing net. Most of his disciples, as you'll recall, were professional fishermen They worked on the Sea of Galilee, which is really a big lake, and they were very aware of the fishing methods used to catch fish on the lake. Basically, there were three methods that were used in those days. One approach was to use a line and a hook, and you did that if you wanted to catch one fish at a time. 
But if you wanted to catch more than one fish, then you'd have to use a net. And there were two types of nets commonly used in those days. One was a small net that a single fisherman who would walk out into the shallow part of the lake could then throw over a school of fish that was going by and then haul them in. He just needed himself to do that. He didn't need anybody else. And that was a small net used by a single fisherman. But the other net, and this is the net that Jesus is talking about because this is the word that is used here of dragnet. The other kind of net And the third method used by the fishermen of that day was a large, huge net called a dragnet. Because once the fish were caught in this net, it would be dragged towards the shore and they in it. That's the net that this parable is talking about. And an understanding of exactly how this worked will give you insight into what Jesus is talking about. Here's how one scholar explained how a dragnet on the Sea of Galilee worked. He writes, this net required a team of fishermen to operate and sometimes covered as much as a half square mile. It was pulled into a giant circle around the fish between two boats out in the deep water or by one boat when working from the shore. In the latter case, one end of the net would be firmly moored on shore while the other was attached to the boat which would make a large circle out into the water and come back to the starting place. Floats were attached to the top of the net and weights to the bottom, forming a wall of net from the surface to the bottom of the lake, because the net permitted nothing to escape. All sorts of things beside the desirable fish were caught. It swept everything in its path, weeds, objects dropped overboard from boats, all manner of sea life, and fish of every kind. So that ought to give you a visual and an explanation of of what Jesus is talking about. Now, because this huge fishing net dragged in all kinds of objects from the sea, once it was brought on shore, fishermen then were forced to go through the net and sort out the good fish from the bad fish. And this could take hours. I mean, it was a huge net and lots of fish and things are in the Sea of Galilee. And that's precisely what Jesus was referring to, if you'll notice, verse 48. And when it is filled, meaning this net, They, meaning the fishermen, drew it up on the beach, and they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. In other words, the fishermen then had to, once they brought the net on shore, they had to separate the good fish from the bad fish. The good fish, Jesus said, they were placed into containers, meaning that they were put in containers of water to keep the fish alive and fresh, and then sold to various markets throughout Israel. That's what he's talking about. But bad fish, the Lord said, were simply thrown away. They were discarded because nobody, nobody had any use for them. Now, the question is, what determined if fish were good or fish were bad? Well, by good fish, Jesus meant fish that Jewish people were permitted to eat. In other words, kosher, kosher food, food that they were allowed under the Old Testament dietary laws. By bad fish, he meant fish without fins and scales, which according to Leviticus 11, were forbidden to be eaten by Jewish people under that, in that dispensation. Now, that is the basic meaning of the story that Jesus told about the fishing net that dragged in fish from the Sea of Galilee. But obviously, there's a deeper spiritual meaning here. This is an illustration of, of one truth 
that the Lord wants us to know about his kingdom. So what is it? Well, let's move from the basic story to the spiritual message found in the story about the fishnet. So Jesus is going to interpret this for us and tell us how this story illustrates the kingdom of heaven. Verse 49, so he said, it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous. On tomorrow's program, we will continue with this very interesting subject of angels doing the reaping in God's harvest fields. You won't want to miss it. You can listen to this class again by going to our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can stream it or download it for later enjoyment. Download as many messages as you want for free. You can also sign up for our free monthly newsletter and our free podcasting service. That website again is versebyverseradio, all one word, dot O-R-G. We have been offering Pastor Steve's newly released book, Timeless Truths from a Faithful Shepherd, to anyone who sends a contribution of any size to Verse by Verse Ministries. Many have responded to this offer for which we are very grateful. If you have not yet done so, consider taking advantage of this offer now. You will find it to be a great blessing in your walk with the Lord. You can donate online by going to our website, versebyverseradio.org. Click on the Support Us tab, then scroll down to the Donate button. You may also contribute by mail. Send your gift to P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. If you have any questions, please call us at 727 727- Two three nine zero. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.